1: What up everybody welcome to another episode of the corner podcast Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale it is good to be back midweek. not too much on the boxing and MMA front but there are a lot of fights announced that we will get to some inked some in pencil but a lot of good moving and shaking in the boxing realm we also got to talk about The Charlo-Castano undisputed fight that just happened last weekend, ending in a draw. We got to break that down, how Dre saw it, how I saw it, what is best for both of them moving forward. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the UFC. Misha Tate returned last week, had a big performance. And then, of course, they have a card this week with TJ Dillashaw returning for completely different reasons than Misha Tate returned. So we'll break all of that down in the final segment today. But it feels good, Dre. It's been a while. Let me me stretch real quick. I don't know what hot takes are going to come out today. We get to talk hip-hop. And it's been a a hot second since we got to just chill, open the show with a straight hip-hop first segment all the way through. Not just verses, not anything else. This is hip-hop going on in the world this week tons of stuff coming out and before we get to kind of the usual breaking down the double XL freshman cover we have to start with something that happened today in the hip-hop world and that's Royce versus Lupe they've been on this they have a podcast together they've been talking shit to each other on social media friendly back and forth and it led to today them both releasing diss tracks Because they've been talking about this on their podcast. Like, who's the better rapper? They've been going through their catalog like, yo, you're dope, but I'm better. And they've been breaking stuff down. And today we get diss tracks from both Lupe and Royce to each other. Man, this is fun. I I like this. I like friendly beefs where they still try to roast each other. This is good. We need more of this.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was up in the, you know. Looked in the in the morning. I, I don't listen to Royce and Lupe's podcast, which is weird because you'd think I would, because as much as I like Royce and Lupe as MCs, but I don't. And I happened to come across this and I saw uh Royce's this. Then I went back and I was like, Wait, what the hell's going on? I saw the whole thing with like young guru and um a few other cats on IG Live, and then you know, Royce and Lupe to put his shirt on, and Lupe said <laughs> it just this shit just got weird. And then this this track. And then when I woke up this morning, Lou had already responded. Um, I will say this, though. It is teetering into personal territory because once Lupe said, I wish they would have took you instead of Bismarcky, I was like, eh, you kind of went a little too far right there. Everything else, you know, is fine. But death, you know, because they're cool, but it's not like they're like best friends. And then you say, you know, I wish somebody took your ass instead. Oof, that's a big one. That being said, this was incredibly entertaining. These two are two of the best rappers on the planet, in my opinion. Um, technically speaking, I don't. I, pff, there's a very short list on who's better than Lupe. I don't know who it is. To be honest with you, in terms of like technical skill, double, triple, quadruple entendres. It's very I don't know very it's-
1: short list, sir. Very. Maybe it's shorter. Royce.
2: Was it? Was it just Royce? Who Royce is either?
1: close. I, I still put Lupe above Royce. I mean, you you're getting into the the Rock Kim stages of it, um, and Rakim Kim just did it first. I still say Lupe does it better. You're getting into the Black Thought territory. You're you're getting into some
2: rarefied air. I, dog, to be honest with you, Kendrick, love- Kendrick, when he's in his bag, it's, man. But te- oh, I'm talking about know. I'm talking about not not making great songs right like Kendrick can make a great song yeah but when it comes to straight rapping not even necessarily battle rapping straight rapping like rapping is poetry there are few if any better than Lupe like yeah I love Rakim Rakim laid the groundwork for this Lupe just took all that and is improved upon all the building blocks of the MC's before him I listening to that his response which was the same night It's ridiculous. Oh, it's just, it's easy for. There's like, so because of that, I went back and I hadn't listened to SLR, the original SLR in years. And I just, dude, I forgot how like ridiculous he got off on that joint. And it's like, and it makes me, I'm like, and I love, look, I love Royce, but damn, this is like, there are again, few, few who could touch Lou Royce. Royce is in the realm, but still, Lupe is absurd as a rapper. Like he's, he is the epitome of everything that the double XL freshman list enjoys. (laughs) Like he's the epitome against that. He's like the paradox. Like I don't think anybody (laughs) on that freshman list, like if you listen to that freshman list and you listen to Lupe, like, I don't see how you can pull it off. I think your brain would malfunction. Like that super Lupe backpack rap, super scientifical, like the shit that the common man makes fun of of super dope rappers, that's what Lupe is. But he was on the cover. How mind-boggling is that? Exactly. How crazy is it that it's changed that
1: much that uh-huh. you get one of the I think you can't even argue, one of the top three most technical rappers of all time was on the cover. And now now I boy, I can't name one person on this cover. And the freestyles I watched. I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, no, fuck all that. It's, um, oh, it's ugly. But I, I love that. I love the friendly competition. Uh, I get the line you were talking about. But even then, I think they just entered it into it. It was like, yo, we're just going to wrap. Like, we're not taking anything personal. Be um, careful.
2: Roy, look. We man. shall see you on
1: the podcast.
2: I mean, they, again, I, when they I'll break say it down on the podcast, we shall see. It. I'll say this. I've known Royce for years. He didn't respond to my text last night. Right. Like I text him late last night. I was like, what's gotten into you? Like, cause that shit was the, I mean, it's the Lambda 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 shit. If you're a revenge of the nerds movie fan, you understand the reference. Cause he's going at lose, you know, revenge of the nerds mixtape series. And I was like, what's gotten into you this morning when I heard Lupe's response, I decided not to text him again. Maybe he was, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I'm not going to text Royce right now because I know Royce. And although like Royce isn't a, He's not. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this from the years that I've known him. He's not necessarily a very playful guy when it comes to threats. Like he doesn't take that shit lightly. He's a Detroit dude at the end of the day. Yeah. So I like when I heard that bar, I was like, ooh, he ain't gonna like that one. So, yeah, I mean, you know, possibly these two keep it, but it just feels like there's so much tension. Even on the podcast, I, I started listening to a few episodes. I was like, It's like they like each other, but they don't. It's yeah, like it, it's, it's two
1: competitors all yeah. the time. Like it's they're together because they're
2: contrarian. Yeah. And it's like who's and this is going to sound ridiculous. and Somebody's going to say something. But between those two, who's Scotty? When I when I say who's Scotty, I mean, Scotty Pippen, because I get that feeling in the room, like with those two, like the air is thick. And now that they're doing this, one of them has to be Scotty. You both can't be Jordan. Yeah, it's tough. And, and neither of them is going to take a step back. They are the only person that Royce puts above him is M, which he's passed
1: M a long time ago.
2: Yeah, but you and know, are just, just keeping
1: it a buck. But he'll never say, it.
2: yeah, of course, he will never say it. it's a man who put him on. It's a man who was there with him day one when fucking Royce had like locks like they've been down like four flats for two decades, at least minimum. Yeah. And Eminem at one time was the greatest rapper in the game at one time. The Subject matter never changed, but when you when we talk about straight technical and lyrical ability, not necessarily content.
1: Yeah, M would be the lupe level of that, but lupe's never fallen off. Can't say the same about
2: M. So no, lupe the longevity again, trumps it. My only issue with Lou has always been the same issue that I've always had with Lou. Lou makes great songs like he could say, Oh, I'm gonna rap about like the letter Q, like food, just start with a little Q, like white man can't jump and he can make it, he can make it a dope concept, but is it a dope song? And that's always a challenge with Lupe because sometimes you don't want to think that hard. There are people that listen to Lupe songs like mural and Mural's incredible. Oh, one of the best rap songs ever, but the average Joe is too much. It's literally, it's like, get this weight off of my shoulder. I can't, (laughs) this is too much. It's too much. And Lupe has a hard time in his career. Like, yes, he's had, like, Daydream. Yes, he's had Superstar. But then you get to, like, the Lasers territory when he was doing an album that he pretty much didn't want to do. Yeah. And when it came to him t- trying to make songs and the things that he passed up on, like, he, he's not, like, a, um...
1: Passed up on airplanes. That's tough. I mean, yeah, words right. I never said, but still tough.
2: No, nah, he passed... Yes, he passed up on airplanes with Bruno Mars. Like, he... Oh, well, there's another song he passed up on that went to Bruno Mars. Oh, uh... Nothing without you. He passed up on that. Yep. And yeah. the thing, and it that's Lupe, he's so beholden to the art of rapping that he will never like if he sees something that sounds like, oh, this might be a little jiggy. It's like, ugh, yuck. And he'll like throw it away. And then do the next song he does is so complicated and complex, he has to rinse the idea of being mainstream off of him. It's really weird. <laughs> but that's how Lou functions. That's his only fallback because he, he's not. Accessible. He's not as accessible as Royce. And even Royce is not terribly accessible. But Lupe, man, go go on the block. The boat. guy's a Shaolin monk. Like, no. for real. Like, the motherfucker uses the swords and shit. Like, he's, go, he's really there. Go hit the block with some 21-year-olds right now that are listening to, like, Roddy Rich and shit and go play, like, Lupe's mural and watch their face. Yeah, Just watch I, it.
1: I tried to play it for my cousin, who's, like, 21.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he was playing all that shit And the car. was like, nah, you got to listen to this. And then at the end, he was like, yeah, but he's not. He's like, yeah, but what is he saying? I was was like, are we starting? Is this where you want to start the argument? Like, (laughs) like, but what is he saying? What are they saying? Like, Uh it's, oh, my God. It was frustrating. I couldn't say anything back because that was such a ridiculous statement. It was like, yeah, but what is he saying? I was like, That's "Yo, feel. it's too much quadruple entendres." And oh my god, he's talking about a pain like the one on top of a barn, but then he used pain here. Like,
2: oh my god, you don't even know. You don't even. But here's know. here's the problem for starters. Ask what a, a double and triple entendre is. It's tough. Exactly. I mean, he's college educated. He should know. But it, not, it doesn't matter. I want it in his music.
1: Doesn't want in his music. He likes these young whippersnappers who sing. That was his other gripe. He was like, oh, he just raps. I was like, excuse yes. me. Yes. <laughs> like, excuse me? <laughs> well, no, everyone else, you know, there's harmonies, there's this, there's that. It's more than just rapping words and rhyming words. I was like, they can't even sing for real. They don't care. Oh, it's frustrating. Now now I'm frustrated. Um, but it's a perfect transition into the most recent XXL cover, because with all that being said, the one person I do know on this cover and that I really like is Moray. And you know, that kid is dope. I, I like the single. he got big man swag he got the he got the sweat rag. We're just twirling it about you know, if you grew up in a hood if you grew up anywhere the hell with the hood if you grew up anywhere with any any type of humidity, you know. There's always someone with the sweat rag. We just carry the washcloth outside of the crib and they gotta wipe themselves down constantly. My cousin Brandon was the king of this shit. He never left the crib without his his washcloth to wipe his sweat. I don't know why he sweats so much. But constantly, I'm like, yo, that gotta be disgusting. Hollering at girls, he, he I'm dating myself, but he had like the, the South Pole fit with the cartoon characters. Ooh,
2: you, the second year with, with the Tweety Birds and shit. Yeah, you
1: know? with the Jabo jeans and shit. And, um, we used to rock the, the headbands, like the N1 headbands.
2: Oh, Lord.
1: Yeah, that when he got the, the stripes in the middle, the three stripe, I remember it to this day. It was all white, but it had the dark blue and then the sky blue in the middle. And he had that. He'd be out like Boulevard Mall hollering at girls and he's chilling and blah, blah, and got the sweat rack I'm just like, yo, this can't be cool. But no one ever complained. Um, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Everyone knows someone with the sweat rack. And to get fancy, like if he knew it was a super hot day, he used to put water on it, then throw it in the freezer, and it kind of freezes over. And then you, when you hit the streets, it's like an ice cold joint, and it will melt throughout the day. There was, there was levels to this shit. But, again, that's one of the things I like in the songs by Murray's Dope um, he was also just on J. Cole's album. He redid the pharaoh March part in that sample, um, in the song he sampled from Styles P. So that was dope. He crushed that. Um, over the freestyles, he saved that poor girl's freestyle, or he tried to, it was still horrible, but he had to start harmonizing and singing in the background, doing ad-libs because she was so bad. And let me look up this woman's name. Her name... Is it's Coy, Coy I don't care.
2: It's benzino's daughter. Benzino's that's daughter. Your, your Listen, name. not one of her fans know who Benzino is. Yeah, they do. Somebody watches Love and Hip Hop or Oh, somebody maybe, maybe. Yeah. maybe. that's just... where that's where they know him from. Like Stevie yeah.
1: J. No one knows what Stevie why Stevie J is on the show if you're under 25. No. You just know him from Love and Hip Hop.
2: Yes. Uh we talk about this double XL freshman list every year. And this is the, the first year that I can legitimately say, I looked at everybody on this list and I was like, I don't give a fuck about anybody on this list. Like at all. You're super old man now. Yeah. Like yeah. it was, this was the day where I was like, like you sent this to me. Cause I don't, first of all, who cares about double XL? Second of all, <laughs> Like, seriously, who cares about double XL? Like, double XL used to be the place where Elliot Wilson used to work. Um, Rob Markman used to be there, B. Rope there. I've written for Double XL, my man Aqua, like some true luminaries in this culture. Kathy An Doley, who's got a book on Aliyah getting ready to come out and working on a book with Little Kim. Like, there were some incredible writers there. I'm not saying there are no dope writers at Double XL, I'm just saying that the culture has changed. And when I looked at the cover of this and I was like, who the fuck are these people? And I was like, I've completely because, because this is what what happens. Like Coil Ray, for instance, when I shit it all over a freestyle, and people were like, "That's because you are old." No, it's not. It's the the music that that they chose all follows the same theme, and because of that, I can't fuck with it. But there are twenty year olds. There's twenty four year olds, dope. Like it like just a few years ago, Chance the Rapper was twenty one. Yeah. And making dope, dope music. Vince, Vic Mensa. I was just listening to Vic Mensa's Inner in Tape today. And I was like, damn, what happened to that guy? Even though he still makes music, but I really like like orange juice and orange soda and all that shit. But young rappers can still be dope. Corday is super dope. Yeah, Corday is incredible. I love Corday. It has nothing to do necessarily with age. Yes, I get it. It's a, a certain type of music that con- connects with a certain demographic. But it's not because they're young, because I guarantee you some of the people on this list are over the age of 25 making this shit. But, I man, I looked at this list, and I was like, woo, Poo Shiesty? Nope. Flo Millie? Flo Millie's all right. But, no, none of these people I'm going out of my way to check out. I know the Toosie dude, just because
1: he walked out uh, Shakur Stevenson at the last fight. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, yeah. Four-two Doug. 42 Doug? Is that his name? 42 Doug.
2: If you can't say his name, you don't know who he is.
1: So yeah, who 42 Doug. I know he got a song on the radio. I don't know exactly how it goes, but that's I know a- the, the young kids like it. It's on the radio? Who listens to the radio? I don't know, man. That's a good, that's a good thing. I don't I don't know. He got a song on TikTok. You want me to say that? That's where all the kids find music. Yes. Like, that's are you the- doing numbers? Like, do you got to
2: dance on TikTok? Like what, what's it. going on here? That's the question. And I don't I don't Ruby have a TikTok. rose. I've never heard of Ruby Rose before. Like eventually, like I do every year, I'll listen to everybody's song for, on this cover. But looking at this right off the bat, I was like, oh, I don't care. And because I don't care, like I'm not, I'm not going to get caught up in it. Like, please listen to the Ray single uh, that I've listened to. No. Oh, and the funny thing was, right. So I tweeted about Ray's freestyle because then she wrote a freestyle and she announced i'm writing a freestyle and i said there's rules to this shit you don't write your freestyles People like people hit me it's like everybody writes their freestyles that's not my point my point is nobody goes and says, i'm writing a freestyle nobody says that nobody says that if you go on hot 97 you go on with funk flex you go to la leakers and you kick one of them extraordinarily long 10 minute freestyles i know you wrote a lot of that shit just don't tell me you did all right that's how i feel there's not too many rappers that have been coming completely off the top of the dome. There are plenty of rappers who have written so many rhymes that when they hear a beat, they immediately go to something they wrote that people haven't heard before. Yep. And some people still consider that a freestyle. I'm okay with that. But the moment that you tell me I am writing a freestyle, you just broke all the rules of hip hop. You don't tell anybody that. You broke K Fabe. These yeah. kids don't respect K Fabe. No, man, don't tell me. Don't tell me how the sausage is made. Just rap and then be like, oh, I'm free. Like, just say I'm freestyle. But this, when you say I wrote a freestyle, you don't write a freestyle. You don't tell people you do that. And she did that. But her dad's Benzino. Benzino's whack. Benzino gave fucking his group Made Man a four and a half in the source. I'll never forget half of this shit. <laughs> Benzino's a piece of shit, dog. Like, for real. I remember this is my one Benzino story real quick. Julia Beverly, who used to run Ozone Magazine, who did the Ozone Awards, me and Julia used to talk pretty often. And I was working at Hip Hop Site and Hip Hop DX at the time. I was in between places. And Julia was running Ozone Magazine, which was like the source for the South. Something happened and Benzino got really mad at her and got her number and called her all kinds of wild derogatory shit. You can find it somewhere on YouTube. I guarantee it's there. And I hit her on aim, this is how long this should go was I hit her on aim, and I was like, Hey, what's going on? Blah blah blah. What happened? And she sends me the voicemail that Benzino left her. And the one word that I will never forget, and I think anybody who has even remotely heard of the story knows the word that I'm talking about. He called her a slut monkey. <laughs> <laughs> It was incredible. Clever. (laughs) He called. He was like, you slut monkey." Like he was he was going off so much that like he was going in and out. But the one thing that was very clear was the word slut monkey. And I was I aimed Julia back. I was like, did he call you a slut monkey? She was like, yep. And then she like, LOL. And I was like, yeah, because you can't really take that one personal because damn, he was really mad, like really mad. Called her slut monkey was a piece of shit, though. He ruined the source. <laughs> Absolute piece uh, of shit.
1: No neck having ass. No, anyway.
2: <laughs> this is... Uh,
1: yeah, Coyle Lorraine. Like, listen, I... I don't... I don't know.
2: I guess she has a million plus followers on IG or something. Yo, she's got like three million. That's another part where I was like, yo, i have completely aged out of this shit. Like, what did she do to get so many followers? Who did she pay? No, she was light skin With, like, braids. Like, that's... Where does
1: that end? Cool yeah, I mean... You, you have access, your lights came, you got braids. Like, it don't take much. Like, your daddy still knows some people.
2: I didn't know You, a you cool got a
1: quote-unquote uncle or aunt somewhere that can help you, you know, push your shit. You're good. She got the look. She. I just Googled to look for her song. The number one, like, when you just type her name into Google, is Koi Ray Blurt Braids. That's the first thing that pops up. Like, people just want to know how they get braids like her. They don't even care about her music off rip It's Coilerae Braids, Coilerae Dad, Coilerae Mom, and then Coilerae Net Worth, and Coilerae No More Parties, which is the song I was looking for. I've had enough. This is giving me a headache. (laughs) Please listen to that song. Please. (laughs) Oh, God. You were going to be like, yo, watch the video. Don't just listen to the song. Watch the video. So as we do when all these lists come out, though, and I... I can't believe I started this without saying everyone on the list. So uh, you have the Moray kid, you have Ian Dior, Lakia, uh, what appears to be DDG,
2: 42Doug, Yo, I'm sorry, I'm really entertained listening to you read this shit because you're reading it like an old man. You're like <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg a dog. Yeah. dog. Listen, man. This is their names. I'm just trying to give you the correct pronunciation of the you read it. You read it like this. Uh, this appears to be DDG. I was <laughs> like, yo, he's out of touch. Man. Ruby Rose. Uh it's someone named
1: Blast, but the A is an X. So See. I believe it's still Blast, B-L-X-S-T, Pooh Shiesty, Toosie, Double I's, Double O's, in case you're wondering how to spell that, Koi Leray and Flo Millie. So that is the entire cover. I cannot tell you who is who, but the cover art is dope. Uh, it's kind of like a planetary theme. It's one of the best looking covers in a long time.
2: Sure, whatever, I don't care. It's XL.
1: The good part, though... Is that means it's a ten-year anniversary for the 2011 freshman cover, which was their fourth at the time. Let's see where these people are now. This, <laughs> this is,
2: this is uh, unfair.
1: Always, always the fun part. And mind you, this is one of my favorite freshman covers. I'll say that off Rick. it. But first, we have Meek Mill. Oh, he's doing all right. Right. Doing great. Couple prison stints aside, right. he's doing great. Robert Kraft took a helicopter to bail him out of prison or to get him out of prison. Like you can't can't beat that shit. So Meek Mill, plenty of hits. Think he fared fine. Next up, big crit. Hmm. I think he did all right. Don't you? <laughs> Listen. Shout out to Justin Ivey. He might be the only person I know who's a bigger crit fan than me. Like crit. If you put the Mount Rushmore of the 2010s up there, Crit gets my final spot. So, yes. Crit
2: on the cover doing the salute. Gotta love that. Next, Cy High the Prince. Incredibly talented MC. Probably has not reached his potential as a an artist, but...
1: Did not his... bomb out?
2: No, he didn't. He's, he's very dope. The next person did, though. The next person. Lil Twist. Where the fuck is he? You know what? I don't know which
1: one is on the the children's show. I watch it on like we TV. It's like hip hop kids or something. That's enough. Oh, growing up hip hop. Oh, my wife watches that show. Yo, it, you know what? It could be worse. All right. That's but little one of them is on there. I don't know if it's little twist or not. A
2: little one of them. (laughs) Well, you know, like Young Money had like three of them. No, I'm sorry. You just called him Little One of them. And I was like, that could be the next rapper's name. Little One of them. (laughs) Yes, that is little twist. Little Twist is on his fifth season of Growing Up Hip Hop as a mainstay character. Yo, it's always funny because you go on these reality shows and they get a new career. And you know what that career has nothing to do with anymore? Music. They do no music anymore, but they end up on these shows and people watch them. And it's like, dog, nobody cares about your talent because you have none. But, no, he right.
1: looks just like Wayne now. The long, like, blonde dress. Like, he's always just trying to be a carbon copy. Maybe that's why it didn't work out. Sure. But little twist, on television. Five seasons. So, can't even say he flamed out. Um, next, Yellow Wolf. He did all right. He did all right. Fuck Yellow Wolf, though.
2: Yeah, but he it did right. Like some
1: real wild shit lately, but yeah, cool. Yellow Wolf. And for the record, I always thought he was the wackest one in the Shady Crew.
2: Was was never for me. Were you a Yellow Wolf fan? No, I wasn't. No. I, I understood why people like Yellow Wolf. I just wasn't a fan.
1: God, yeah, he uh, he just has some bad verses. He has like the worst verse on One Tray, and that's that's saying something. Because I still don't know. What the fuck? Uh, What's his face was talking about at that before Crit? But it's I forgot who had the verse. It was horrible. And then, but still, Yellow Wolf for his verse on that song. Then Fred the Godson, rest in peace, Fred. R.I.P. Fred. Fuck Damn, Corona, back yo. to
2: back R.I.P.s on this
1: one. Good lord. Yeah, for coronavirus and all that stupid shit. Like, um, Fred passed away not too long ago. That hurts. Fred was also talented. Great freestyle rap. Talking about freestyle, like, Fred could spit. Mixtape scene, Fred had joints. So, Fred, still talented, but okay, he didn't reach his potential, but R.I.P. Next, Mac Miller. R.I.P. R.I.P. Was Damn. just hitting his stride, in my opinion. And his mixtape catalog was insane. But to yeah. me, he was just hitting his stride.
2: And it's, man, I, I have one Mac Miller story. Uh, Q, who is his manager, and is, like, his best friend. We always text back in the day. And I did a decoded um, with Mac Miller. I want to say it was 2012. So we hung out. We were backstage, and who shows up to the show? Another late person, Debo. Debo's backstage it was me, Mac Miller. My wife is there. Uh, my two video my videographer there, uh, Tanel, and fucking Tiny Lister is there. <laughs> And it's before Matt goes on stage and Q's like, oh, just hang out backstage. And that that's my thing. If you know me, I always say, yeah, man, I don't feel like going back in the crowd. Can I just stand, either stay in the back or just stay on the side of the stage? And I stay on the side of the stage and there's Debo and he's dancing. I can't remember what he's dancing, like something off the kids mixtape and he's dancing and it's the strangest sight. So Mac looks at me while he's performing and then he looks over and he, Like, nods his head over to Devo and he's like, I, He has this look like, Yo, I can't believe this. <laughs> Devo is over here dancing. Um, but it was one of my good memories of Mac Miller. We hung out for a while that night. He was telling me how excited he was because he had been working, it never saw a light of day. Him and DJ Jazzy Jeff were working on a mixtape. Um, and I can't remember the name of the damn thing. And we reported, I reported at Hip Hop DX back in the day. And no, actually, two boys, I reported it because uh, I text Mac and we stayed on top of it and never came out but he always honored like the golden era of hip-hop like there was a dude who truly respected his craft and yes he truly was coming into his own funny dude finally seemed like he was you know tapering off the drugs he did a lot of drugs Uh, but unfortunately he's no longer with us but that's two people on this list in 10 years that are gone Fred the Godson and Mac Miller Um, that's crazy to me absolutely
1: wild Um, next YG hey
2: fuck Donald Trump
1: Listen, the man's, the man's done well for himself. Um yes. probably my favorite debut album out of this cover. Crit's tough though. Crit's debut album was dope. But YG, I mean, there's just come on, that shit. I we talked about albums that aren't classic, but I would cons- like I would say they're classic in my book that YG album is that form. So YG. Done well for himself and put mustard on so yeah yg is fine next
2: little b yo the little b era is one of the most fascinating eras in like social media <laughs> swag Base god still the little b curse was a thing they were covering it, it on espn it's it was so weird because little b you know with the pack and you know, Vans got my Vans on, but they look like sneakers. And all of a sudden, he was a fucking weirdo too. Met him a few times. He's a weird dude. But all of a sudden, it was like it became a phenomenon. Like, what? What did he do to get to this level? But yeah, he's done all right with himself. He had a song with Ninth Wonder, "Bass in Your Face," was really fucking dope. If you haven't heard it, go find it on YouTube. I was like, what is this? It's incredible. But yeah, Little B's done all right. He still got he still got white girls writing their name, his name on their feet, on their and feet. hands. Yeah. Very strange.
1: I don't get but it. Okay. But you follow if if you're not followed by Lil B, what are you doing in this world?
2: Yo, Lil B like and John they, Cena are like Twitter. Lil B, John Cena, and Tate Diggs follow everybody. And so it <laughs> always makes me laugh when somebody's like, yo, Lil B or yo, Tate Diggs, yo, John Cena's follow me. They follow everybody.
1: <laughs> the ultimate cosign right there. But yeah, Lil B. By the way, my favorite Lil B verse is still Grocery party. Okay. Lil Wayne way mixtape. Absolutely murders that verse Incredible Uh, Nothing's on beat Blueface owes an entire career to Lil B Pretty much And kids have no clue That Lil B, come on He was the official Tisho Blew up, so Lil B Great, Kenny,
2: that's not a bust Lil B is dope Kendrick Lamar Yeah, that's the one who has the best debut album Out of everybody on here, but okay You see that true Uh, yeah, but I think Kendrick's Kendrick's done all right by himself, right? He's done okay, yeah.
1: I think he's you know, people may know him, yeah. Um, I mean, he has like three or four classics,
2: yeah. You know, he's got a Pulitzer,
1: depending Mm -hmm. on who you talk to. (laughs) He does have a Pulitzer. Um, no, so
2: Kendrick, amazing. This was section 80s, Kendrick. 2011 yeah. wouldn't actually yeah right right section around 80 section 80 dropped yeah yeah i think they shot this cover if i remember i talked to i think they shot this cover after overly dedicated actually oh, shit. yeah i don't think section 80 was out yet somebody will correct me if i'm wrong if shake was here he'd tell me but i'm pretty sure this was off the strength of overly dedicated wouldn't he have still been k dot on the cover then no he would have been kendrick he was only Ken K-Dot when he was youngest in charge um, and people close to him called him K-Dot but overly dedicated mixtape was he was Kendrick Lamar hmm. I, was I, met K-Dot 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 in, I met him as mixed K-Dot I met him as in 2008 um, but he was Kendrick Lamar right around 2000 like he started going by his full name like 2009
1: 2010 interesting well yeah Kendrick Lamar chill on cover and then Diggy Simmons and Diggy Karepp Diggy can spit, and I just saw that he's on um, Grownish.
2: Yes, he is. I watch Grownish. I love Grownish. Very yeah, good show.
1: So Diggy Simmons doing his acting thing. I'm not even mad at that. That's like legit acting chops type shit. He he's better than the brother who's on Growing Up Hip Hop. Jojo, Jojo. Yeah. <laughs> the whole family is on Growing Up Hip Hop except Diggy. So that yeah. tells you something. So he's he's doing well for himself. You know, as a matter of fact, the whole family is on there. And I watched an episode uh, last week, and Angela was dating uh, the boxer dude. She was, not anymore. Oh, no. Mm -mm. Well, ain't that something? Well, those who don't know, it's Daniel Jacobs. Daniel Jacobs. Yeah, that's what she was dating Daniel Jacobs. Uh, He won that fight, too, questionably, against Gabe Rosado. Yes. But they're showing the lead up to that fight. And I was like, oh, look at this shit. But, yeah, no, Diggy is not on that show. He has a real career. So, yeah, so Diggy's doing well. I mean, you look at the entire cover. Twist. I mean, you say whatever you want about Fred the Godson. I thought he was dope. And that's about it. Out of 10 people, one person
2: bricked. Yeah. Everybody's had some sort of career. Now, people will say that, well, these guys on this cover prove it there's a big difference between what some of these guys are doing and what you think they're doing. They might have a song. Holla at me in 10 years and let's see who's on this cover that we were talking about 10 years from now. Nine out of 10 ain't bad.
1: Like nine out of 10. Like you, you hit on nine out of 10. When you say these guys are next, you're listen, you're doing pretty well for yourself. But again, stuff was different. Writing was different. Sitting down with music was different. So how this was selected, I'm sure, is a lot different 10 years ago than how it is selected now. Absolutely. Because it's just followers and who has this TikTok dance out? So we'll see. We'll see where these people are in 10 years. It's always fun to look back. I will I will go out on a limb and say all of them except one will still be around. Or excuse me, will not be around. Only Ooh. one will make it a decade. Who? I can't even call. <laughs> like, oh, like, okay. No, like, I, I'm telling you, there's not going to be two. All if right. I had to, I would probably say the Flow Millie. Well, only because I hear the name a lot. The Flow Millie me about, person. Yeah, don't ask me about uh, any of the content. I just hear the name. Maybe you can stay. Whoever is signed to. I don't know who's really whoever is like friends with Drake and has a song with Drake. That shit will keep you around like five years. It'll give you a boost. Like the Migos never tapered off after that. Or you could be these other people who have a Drake single and that shit's hot as day, and we don't hear from you a year from now. So it'll be interesting to see where everyone is in ten years, and I uh, can't wait to hear what you say when you actually listen to these people's music. Sure. This week, just take take some time out throw it on just a single from each and let me know what you think about it. Cause it's, it's going to be a doozy, but we want to hear from you guys. Cause you know, I am old and washed in this subject and he is old and washed all the time. Let us know who is dope from the cover. Cause you guys are often more in touch than we are with these young rappers. I will venture out into my living room and ask my children sooner or later. And they'll be like, Ooh, you don't know this word. I'm like, course i don't know that person and then i'll torture the old man by dragging him with me today in vegas festival in november and we'll show up there super early so we can watch them perform
2: that'll never happen <laughs> you can't even show me like 3 p.m catch the 42 doug set on stage no i have to lose a bet for that to happen <laughs> yeah. find a bet because there's no way in hell i'm showing up to listen to those guys that early it's never gonna happen He's so spoiled. <laughs> Just a spoiled festival goer. Uh,
1: let's hit the break. After the break, we're going to come back. We got boxing and MMA to talk about. Don't go anywhere. By the way, spoiler alert, I'm going to play him one of the songs on the break. So if he comes back and he's extra honry, you know why. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
2: But if you don't turn this shit off. <laughs>
1: what? Yo, welcome back, everybody. We were jamming. What do you mean?
2: Turn that shit off.
1: No more parties, Dre. She don't want no more parties. Come on. Her daddy let her down. It's damn near benzino diss track. (sighs) God, that's awful. (laughs) Yo, when the chorus hit, I was like, "Oh, oh, that's what we're doing here." That made the double XL freshman cover. So (laughs) interesting. Oh, I'm glad to see where you stand on Lorray's actual music. Uh, I feel like it's very similar to your response to her freestyle. So now our job, though, is to get back and get into talking about boxing. And there wasn't much boxing over the past weekend, but there was a big fight. We had Jamel Charlo, three belts at 154 pounds. Brian Castanio, one belt at 154 pounds going at it one of what appears to be hopefully many undisputed fights in our future. And we've seen several already over the past calendar year. So boxing, for whatever people say, is trending in a good direction. It's not just all fucking old MMA fighters, Floyd Mayweather and YouTubers. Like actual boxing fights are getting made for the first time in a long time. So with that being said, Charlo Castaño go in there. Castanio's walking him down early a lot. And Charlo's fighting off his back foot. Don't really understand it. He wins a round. I mean, I'd probably give him like the fourth, maybe the sixth. So that's maybe two rounds in the first six. But Castanio's really, really walking him down. And then next two rounds, Charlo's kind of figuring it out. It's even rounds they can go either way. And then he hurts Castanio. And then it's just kind of like survival mode for a couple of rounds But then Brian bounced back in like the 12th and that's a a round that can go either way. So seeing that performance from Charlo, seeing what we thought he was or what people thought he was, not even we what people thought he was, he wanted to be on the pound for pound list. Um, Two, two rankings ago, I had him up that high. He has since slipped off of it. And now he's continuing to slip back. This is why I was hesitant to put him on there just because his accolades anyway. Because I saw the Harrison fight. I saw him being outclassed. And then I saw him being outclassed again until he landed the knockout. And this is a troubling pattern that I'm seeing is that I'm not sure if he has enough tools in his shed to really decisively beat top level talent by decision. It's knockout or bust.
2: All right, so first and foremost, I didn't score the fight as it was happening. Um, after Charlo buzzed Castano in the second round, I tweeted it. I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be over soon. He's figured him out. Then for whatever reason, Charlo decided, hey, you know what a good game plan is? Backing myself into the ropes and allowing somebody who's a, uh, a pressure fighter by nature to do what he wants to do. Now, I'm not going to say that Charlo just completely let Castanio do what he wanted to do. There was a lot that Castano had to do in terms of finding his way inside with foot feints and things of that nature. And that, that all worked. Much credit to him. But I stopped scoring the fight. And then all of a sudden I'm looking up and I was like, "Yo, I think he's lost like four rounds in a row. Um, eventually this fight is called split draw. We'll talk about that 117, 111 scorecard, which was looked like it was somebody who was watching the uh, Suns-Bucks game that night and was like, that's the score of the game. So that's score my scorecard. Uh, I guess that's what happened. But Char- Jamel Charlo, I have always said he's not the better Charlo. Jamal's the better Charlo brother. Jamel looked good against Jason Rosario. The 154-pound division isn't really that great. So when he goes into this thing like, why am I not on pound for pound list? And then he takes a shot at Terrence Crawford. And I'm like, all right, dude, there's a reason why. Because we look at your resume. And with, with Bud... You're right. Bud doesn't have the, the best list of names on his resume. But you know what Bud does? handle his business every time. Goes out there and beats the dog shit out of these guys. It like That's what Bud does. Charlo's not doing that. Charlo's not getting rid of guys he's supposed to get rid of. Castaño's undefeated, yes. But there was nothing about Castaño's style that suggests that he should be a 50-50 fight, right? I think Charlo was a minus 220 favorite. Yep. He should have won the fight. That's what should have happened. He fought a poor fight. And it's not knockout or bust. To me, I think Charlo can outbox a lot of his opponents. It's knockout or bust to Charlo. He fights like he has dynamite in his right hand. He was fighting that fight very similar to how Deontay Wilder fought Luis Ortiz. Just waiting for the perfect shot. Well, guess what? You're not Deontay Wilder. You don't have the perfect shot. You need to fight three minutes every round to win your fights you should never take your foot off the gas you should never look for the perfect shot you should never look for the highlight reel you're a really good fighter but you, you're not a knockout artist and that's i never had him close on my pound for pound list and when i say close it's like 15 to 20 maybe, maybe. there's i think <laughs> i mean people were
1: really like yo you don't have them up there what do you mean like no, no, like no belts don't mean everything like my eyes tell me he's not one of the 10 best fighters in the world
2: dude there are guys that are not on the pound for pound list like sean porter i put sean porter above jamel Charlo. sean I porter, sean has porter a, beats him by the way if they fight yeah but i'm just saying in terms yeah, of what correct. what sean porter has done I, probably, I, I could put i mean look i'm gonna be honest i think If Danny Garcia goes with the 54 and fights Charlo, that's a very intriguing fight because they're both very similar in like waiting for the perfect shot. It could be boring as fuck. I don't know. (laughs) But I think those are two guys who are really good. But they're not to me. They're not pound for pound guys. You have Tank Davis, who's not on a a lot of people's pound for pound list. Anthony Joshua is not on people's pound for pound list. You mean to tell me Jamel Charlo gets over Anthony Joshua? Yeah, you're bugging. No, man. Like that's that's not happening. There's Dimitri Bival. There's Caleb Plant's not a lot of people's pound for pound list. I think Caleb Plant is better than Jamel Charlo. I think David Benavidez is better than Jamel Charlo. Is Caleb Plant better than Jamal? I don't know. I don't know. The problem with Caleb Plant is that he also falls victim to the fact that he hasn't really fought anybody. Like when he fights Canelo, I think we'll all get a really good idea of how good Caleb Plant is. But Caleb Plant, to me, passes the eye test better than Jamel. I don't know about Jamal. I don't know about Jamal, but that being Mom's said, best win
1: is J Rock.
2: Yeah, and he fucking obliterated him. Um, but he's looked good in fights. Like he fights every minute of every round for the most part. Yeah. Caleb Plant's not a big puncher, but boy, he's a hell of a boxer. Watch Caleb Plant fight. I'm like, yo, he fights. He he doesn't take rounds off. He's really good. How can, I can never put Jamel over these guys. I can't. I I, I just can't. I don't know how people think he belongs in a top 10. Nah, man. Yeah. No, never. And then now it appears they can't run it back because now he has a
1: mandatory that he has to fight. They got to fix that. They they know they that they need to run it back. Yeah, they, they said it mandatory has been waiting. Would have been waiting over a year at that Who point. Who cares?
2: If they run it back. You know, look, look. This is the problem with sanctioning bodies because there is a mandatory. Do you know how many people know the name of this mandatory? I... Like, I can't pronounce the name of this mandatory. I'm just saying like nobody cares, man. Like let these two run it back because that mandatory would now be in line for an undisputed title fight. Yeah. The mandatory should wait. Yes, he should chill. Like the sanctioned body should say, okay, look, um, pay him because he doesn't. I'm sure he doesn't make a ton of money anyway. So pay him like $100,000 to step aside. You get his turn. Go take another fight. If it's too dangerous. Oh, well, then just wait. But the Tastano and Charlo have to run this back. They have to. I think I think Charlo wins the rematch because I think he fights a better fight and Derek James so. gets in his head early. Derek James, that I had a problem with how Derek James was cornering him. I had a problem with Derek James waiting really? until the ninth round to say you need a knockout. Yeah. In, in round six, he should have been on. He would been like, Jermaine, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> in round six, he's still trying
1: to like tell him, like, yo, just try this. He was being nice about it. Yo, just do this. Try this. Don't don't let him back you into the ropes. Like giving them just little tips. I understand. Like it's hard to be like, yo, we need a knockout. It's the sixth round. The fighter would be like, what the fuck are you waiting? I got half the fight left.
2: You don't even have to tell him you need a knockout. You'd have to tell him stop waiting. What are you waiting for? What yeah, you're doing is literally when you getting, let your hands go, you're fine. Yeah. Like, what are you waiting for? Get your back off of the goddamn ropes. Use your jab. Derek James, he's a great trainer. But I think he should have gave Jamel a sense of urgency, like in the sixth round, be like, yo, I think you're losing five rounds to one. At this point, you're going to need a knockout if you don't get a knockdown. Get to work.
1: That's interesting. Before we go on talking about some of the fights that are um, either confirmed or in the works, you bring up an interesting point. Can a trainer be too much of a friend and not enough of a coach?
2: It happens. This it's not like surprising. It happens. Um, but I don't think it happens for somebody like Derek James. I don't I think it depends on what the trainer is looking at because sometimes trainers look at what their fighter is doing, and sometimes mm-hmm. trainers look at what the opponent is doing. And I think Derek James was looking at Jamel Charlo and going, Okay, do this, do this. But instead, he probably should be looking at Castanio and was like, Hey man, he's just won like four rounds in a row after getting buzzed in the second. He got hurt bad in the second round. Yeah. Now he's come back and won three at worst three of the next four rounds. That's when you got to be like, all right, I need to watch what Castano's doing because Jamel's not doing something. And it's him putting his back on the ropes. So, but it it happens. I've seen trainers just not being good trainers, man. They they
1: just it wasn't a 10 8 round, by the way. One judge gave that a 10 8. Guy doesn't Which, touch the ground, it's not the 10-8 to me in boxing.
2: Well, mm, I don't know. I, I could see 10 8 rounds when guys are still on their feet and just getting completely owned. And Kastani was getting owned that round. I'm not mad at the 10-8. I'm okay. not mad at it. That made uh
1: no, nah, I guess it didn't make a difference because it would have just been another draw. Yeah, I
2: mean, but we still that a was... 117, 111 scorecard. Yeah, how the fuck did Jamel Charlotte win nine rounds? That that got man, look, here, got here's it, my, got a promotion. Hey, here's here's what needs to happen. And, and every uh, athletic commission in every state should do this. When there is a shitty scorecard, they should require the judges to go to the post-fight press conference and answer for that shit. That's
1: tough. I don't but, know if hey, they get paid enough for that.
2: <laughs> hey, but if, if you if you are taking – because it's a job. You take a job, you are scoring fights. If you turn in a completely ridiculous scorecard – it shouldn't happen all the time. The judges should not always be there. But if there is a scorecard that is literally – Turn completely upside down. Now, 115, 113, we're talking about 117, 111. That judge needs to go in front of the press and explain his goddamn self. <laughs> I uh, bet you, left, I bet you be careful like next time. Night. Yeah, I bet you be careful next time. That you got to hold these judges accountable. And especially in Texas, because they always fuck up bigger in Texas. Oh, always.
1: Constantly. So you mentioned that fight. Now we have, we have talked about a couple of other people, but we will you know, jump back around Canelo versus Caleb Plant. Looks like it's in the f- home stretch for September 18th here in Vegas, which will probably be at the MGM. I love fights at the MGM. They are uh, put in for T-Mobile. But as my daughter has let me know, Billie Eilish will be at T-Mobile.
2: Yes, I Heart Radio Festival. You ain't yes. beating that shit.
1: No, they are not moving for Canelo. And oddly enough, UNLV football has a home game at Allegiant Stadium that day. So
2: they cannot yeah. do it at Allegiant. Well, UNLV football, they could play that game in Aviator Stadium in the minor league ballpark. <laughs> I mean, Sam Boyd is still there. <laughs> like, technically, you can play one game at Sam Boyd. Just get him out of here. <laughs> you just send him back to their
1: old shitty home. no nah, yeah. sorry. I know uh, we said y'all in here, but it's Canelo. Like, yeah. y'all y'all are going to sell 2,000 tickets, 3,000 tickets in this stadium? Canelo's going to sell 70. So, yeah, UNLV might have to bounce. But that's not an option. It looks like it'll be at the MGM, which means the price of the tickets will be a lot higher. But the atmosphere is incredible. Nothing beats just being able to walk downstairs and just be caught in the madness. And you know what this means, Dre. It's what? single, it's uh, not single. It no, is Mexican Independence Day weekend. Yes. If it's at the MGM, we have the true
2: return. Of urban loitering, oh yeah, the Latino edition. Yes, um, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
1: I love it. You'll catch us at the whiskey bar post fight, chilling, yeah, real, yeah. real grown man like, just oh, staring yeah. there, watching all the
2: shenanigans. Look, man, I keep telling people with people like T-Mobile, I hate it because after the fight, you just leave. At MGM, you just fall into the casino, and when you're in the casino, you know you go to the bar, you go anywhere you just kind of people watch because that's where the hookers are hooking and that's where the players are playing and that's where the urban loitering is in full effect in the mexican independence day edition yo drunk mexicans are a fantastic group to be around oh amazing amazing and this is one where they probably
1: leave happy probably yeah a a group of angry mexican fans is a whole different atmosphere that's scary (laughs) Right, <laughs> so that's they—they they ride or die for their people, right? Yeah. Now Canelo is is their guy now, uh, which is odd because we were both at the Chavez Junior fight, and oh, the yeah. crowd was split. Maybe more Chavez
2: Jr. fans. Well, there's a bunch of casuals. who were like, well, I love his daddy, so I'm going to yeah. go with his daddy. Yeah, and so really then he nice. watched him fight, and he was like, this kid's a piece of shit.
1: <laughs> his dad just shaking <laughs> his head, his head in his hand. But, yeah, no, like, this time it's going to be all Canelo. It's going to be crazy. So that's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, hope it is at the MGM. We also have Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk. It is finalized. We talked about it several times on the show. Dre, the passport ready? Bags
0: packed?
2: My passport's been ready. Um as long as COVID doesn't go too much crazier cuz like Delta variant is like really kicking it in 2021. Um yeah, it's more than likely I'm I'm going to be in London, Hotspur stadium, I'll be there. Uh here's my question to you. What is the who's got a better chance to win? Usyk over Joshua or Wilder over Fury? Usyk over Joshua
1: Really? There's more ways for him to win Yep He is a top pound for pound guy He is an undisputed champion at a lighter weight The thing that he has to overcome Is size That's it yeah. I, I, I can't say Anthony Joshua is a more technical fighter than him No, I don't. I don't I can't say Anthony Joshua Is the better fighter I damn sure can't say Anthony Joshua has the better chin Because he's been chinned several times So does Usyk have the power At this weight? I don't know but, I mean, I seen Andrew Ruiz land clean, just a flurry. And Joshua couldn't, you know, absorb that. Old man Klitschko dropped him. Like, so I don't know how much power it takes to even put him in trouble. Um, Joshua has, like, let's be honest, some gas tank problems sometimes. <laughs> like, uh, so it's, it, it's weird. He punches himself out. Not that he just gets naturally tired. He swings for the fences sometimes. And then it takes two or three rounds to recover. And then he's back in there. And usually he knocks a person out after that. When he catches his second win, but you can't do that against Usyk. The guy's a machine. One thing he doesn't do is get tired. Like it's it's a whole different world. So yeah, he has the tools outside of size to beat Anthony Joshua. Deontay Wilder has one tool to beat Tyson Fury. it's one hell of a tool. Like it's 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 not a Phillips screwdriver, right? The shit's a jackhammer. Like it's 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 a very good tool, but there's only one way he's gonna beat Tyson Fury, and that's by knocking him out. He dropped him twice in the fight and only earned a draw. So that's it, you got to knock him starch out. And Wilder has the ability to do so, but I, I don't know. I don't like the idea of trying to teach an old dog new tricks. Um, so he's getting bombarded with all this new information by a new trainer, and he's going to try to go to the body and use the jab more. I don't think any of that shit's going to work. He's not good at that. Uh, he's going to sit back and have to rely on sitting back and trying to land one big bomb of a right hand. And I think Fury can survive that more than Joshua can.
2: A technical masterpiece by Usyk. I'm going to disagree with you. And this is not like crazy. I'm not like debating you because I I could see this either way. Yeah. But my problem with Usyk is his two fights that he's had at heavyweight. He Mm -hmm. didn't look that great. True. He didn't look great against Derek Chisora and Chaz Witherspoon. Like, who the fuck is that? Right. So it's your third fight and you're fighting Anthony Joshua, who's looks like fucking a pro wrestler. Right. He's huge. Yeah. Not to mention, he's also one of the best finishers in boxing. And Usyk, yes, you're absolutely right. He is a pound for pound guy at cruiserweight. I don't know if there are many paths to victory for him over Joshua because Joshua's lost one fight. That was by knockout to Ruiz. Usyk doesn't have remotely close to Andy Ruiz' power. Remotely close. Hmm. So, so can he? And AJ's a really good boxer. Look, you say he gassed out. But I was looking at something the other day. And I think Joshua is like, outside of like Canelo, AJ has one of the best resumes in boxing, period.
1: Definitely. I did a post out of the day. This is his third Olympic gold medalist that he like was
2: fought. He's fought Olympic gold medalists. He's fought former heavy. Like, he's fought everybody in such a short amount of time as a heavyweight. So I look at Usyk and I was like, man, skills. Yes. Usyk is absolutely has the skills. I think that size is too much to overcome. I think Wilder has a better chance of beating Fury because of that one weapon, because of the one weapon you talked about, because it's a home run swing. Like if it's the bottom of the ninth, nobody on two outs, Wilder can still hit a home run and tie the game up. Usyk, he, he can't do that when he's down he's down when he's down he's down now again i'm not necessarily making a huge debate with you because i i could see exactly what you're saying in terms of the only thing Usain has to overcome his size he could shock the world because he's that good he is a pound for pound fighter he is an undisputed cruiserweight champion like he has all those tools but i just think if if the in the 11th round let's just say that wilder's still in the fight like fury's up let's say he's up like four rounds or something. Right. I think we're still gritting our teeth. Like, man, if he hits that bomb, it could change everything. We saw that in the
1: last, in the first fight, he caught him in the 12th and it was over except when it wasn't right. Right.
2: So, so that's the only reason why I say, I think, even though I think Wilder's going to lose, I think Wilder has a better chance because that damn nuclear weapon that he has in his hands. That's fair. That's
1: fair. Like that's,
2: honestly, this is a true, and
1: the heavyweight division is a lot deeper than it's been. Um, Joey, Joe Joyce fights this weekend. Yes. I like Joe Joyce. Um, yeah. He becomes a mandatory for Joshua. He's going to have to step his ass aside. Yeah, definitely. But I, I like Joe Joyce. Cool. Another Olympian. Good boxer. We have um, the whole card. jog was on the card for a Fury Wild. Like, there's dangerous heavyweights. There's good heavyweights out there right now. The depth is as is, is good as I've seen it since the early 2000s. Yeah. Maybe before. Like, the depth of young heavyweights is really good. Jared Anderson's coming up through the top rank um, cycle. Like, there's so many good heavyweights. But when I look at this, this is a true semifinals matchup. To me, this is one, two, three, four. Yeah. And, I mean... Personally, i put Fury, number one. But if you want to count the person with all the belts, it's hard to say Joshua doesn't get a one seed in the tournament. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, Joshua gets the one seed. Usyk would be the four seed. If this was NCAA, you know, football playoffs, and then you have Fury versus Wilder, and you're working your way into the ultimate match. So, yeah, I, I like this. Heavyweight boxing needs this. Oh, yeah. This is something three years ago we talked about. I'd be like, yeah, that shit never happened. Yeah, man. But it's here now. And it looks like it's going to happen. So I really like this. Um can't wait to see how that turns out. And then the other thing to touch on is the WBO has mandated that Sean Porter is the number one contender for Terrence Crawford's belt and is given both um PBC and top rank 30 days to negotiate the fight, or will go to purse bid high trailer. And I don't want to see that shit again. So uh, it looks like they got to get the deal done. Bud was on the way and um, reports by Coppinger and everyone else in the boxing space to just fighting anybody. They were just going to give him anyone. It's his last fight on his deal. They were going to pay him and then figure it out. If you walk, you walk. If you don't, you don't. Like, I, I don't have any knowledge of the inner workings, but it was like, yeah, let's just get through this last fight. Because you don't want to sit on a shelf. We owe you a couple of dollars. Let's just get this shit out of here. So
2: yep. this fight is a lot more intriguing. It, it is. It is. And I mean, years ago, we said this, like, hey, Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter should fight. Yep. And, and, you know, if they it goes to the purse bid, yo, Triller, they might as well just throw the farm at this one. Because seriously, ten <laughs> just here, everybody get what you like, just get it all. But obviously, Al Heyman ain't going for none of that shit. Um, I think he'll try to out Bid Triller before he lets Sean Porter fight on another fucking platform. I don't think Bob would. I think Bob would just let that one go. But I think Heyman would not. Either way, and this is a fight to make.
1: It has to be a pay-per-view.
2: Yeah, this is the fight to make. This, by far. Because let's find out how good Terrence Crawford is. We know how good Sean Porter is. He gives everybody hell. So if Terrence Crawford uh, knocks him out or were to dominate the fight, then we go, Oh. He deserves to be where he's out the pound for pound list. Yep. He can fuck around and lose this fight. Should have get off the pot. This is what's happening. So hopefully, if this hopefully they make a deal and this fight is scheduled to happen for later this fall, end of the year, because I know Sean's ready to fight. I know Terence he needs the fight. So let's do it. But this is the best, one of the best fights. Well, this is the best fight outside of Errol Spence for Bud Crawford right now.
1: Who the hell is this Ugas fight then?
2: Who cares? I mean, I care. I got a belt. Look, look, Virgil Ortiz is fighting me, Machine. Virgil Ortiz beats Mean Machine? Look, find find a way. Find a way to get him over there to fight Ugas. Oh, no. I mean, at that point, then... He <laughs> might kill him, but, you know. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, that's all bad. Because then who's getting that belt off? <laughs> like, nah, nah, no, no, nah, nah. Spence would Spence would bounce. Yeah, that's probably happening anyway. But I think Virgil Ortiz is the guy in position now that's like... All right, while you guys are doing this, let me slowly move around this division and get my hands on the belt. And Ugas needs to fight. I don't think they'll do it because of politics, but that's the fight to make. Virgil Ortiz beats Mean Machine? Yes, put him in there with Ugas. And because Ugas is a completely different fighter than anybody that Virgil Ortiz has fought. Ortiz is the gold champion, WBA gold champion. I don't know what the hell that means at the moment. I, I
1: don't know what that is either. Manny is the champion in recess. The WBA world champion is Jamal James, and then Ugas is the super champion.
2: I don't care about any of this. There's only a few tiles that matter WBC, IBF, WBO, WBA, Super. I don't care about the regular title. It's stupid. WBA
1: just be making shit up. Like I'm looking at their rankings right now. Um, Mario Barrios
2: is at six. Dude, they don't they don't fight 140. <laughs> they don't care. Like they don't, how are you six at well wait? They don't care. That's what I'm saying. The only belts that matter are those. I don't care about WBC. Like they had a fucking Juneteenth belt. Come on, man. I don't care about any of this stuff. There's four belts that matter. All that other shit, I don't care. Yeah, it's gonna be uh interesting
1: to see because that's I'm still shocked they didn't overturn it for Pacquiao to get the belt.
2: <laughs> Me too, but you
1: know you're up sanctioning for your money. I thought it was all about the money. You think? Yeah, I guess not. So, big slate coming up in the fall. It's going to be fun. Let's hit our last break. When we come back, we got to talk UFC. We had a fight last weekend. Misha Tate is back. Looked great in that one. Got to see what's next for her. And we got to break down this weekend's card. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to wrap this up talking MMA. All right, as promised, we're going to talk MMA before getting out of here. Before we talk about UFC's card from last weekend, Drake, Paige Van Zandt is fighting, bare knuckle fighting again this weekend. It must be appointment viewing, isn't it? She has the whole
2: weekend to herself. I mean, I'm going to watch it. Paige Van Zandt and Rachel Ostevich in a bare knuckle fight? Why not? That was the first ESPN, UFC ESPN fight. You you know, yeah, that's funny. And. The, the thing about this fight, it's weird. It's going to sound very strange. But it feels like a fight that's happening that I would have. It's going to sound really bad. It feels like something that I would have came across as like a 13-year-old in my dad's closet. And I was like, what's on this VHS tape? And it's like these two girls are fighting. And it's like, all right, so when are they going to, you know, this is porn, right? Like, this is, it'd be, why are they doing this? As a kid, that's what I would have thought if I would have saw this fight. Because they're bare knuckle fighting. You yeah, it's you, ridiculous.
1: It's it's like the strip club fights down in Miami type thing. Like, where you're like, yo, are they really fighting?
2: No, right. they really fighting. And it's like, and I'm not trying to disrespect Rachel or Paige, but no. it's just the, the optics of it all feel very like Paige Van Zant, who was a contender in the UFC. Rachel Osmith yep. has never really been a contender in the UFC, right? She's always been on like the out the outliers, competitive the outliers. fights, though. She always yeah, had competitive she, fights, right? But years ago, you know. Paige Vincent had always had a lot of dog in her, but she was never good enough to be like the best in the division. Rose and Eunice kicked her head off, so on and so forth. Rachel Ostovich, nah, never was really there. But they have great Instagram numbers. You know what I'm saying? The dudes come and check them out. But you couldn't have told me that these two women will be fighting in bare knuckle boxing in a main event. You could have, you couldn't have told me this years ago. And that's why. <sighs> That's why it's like, that's why I look at it and it's just like, ah, oh, this feels dirty. Like, I'm going to watch it because it might be a fun fight, but it just feels like, what they are you doing this for? friendly for
1: yeah, me. Like, yeah. It's, it's a lot different than Paige's first fight where you knew her opponent came in to make a statement because they gave Paige Van Zant the bag. You know, like, she was like, nah, like, this ain't, like, some pretty type shit. It's not that type of game. Like, you're going to come here, you're going to earn this money. It's really bare-knuckle boxing. And Paige, like, caught up and all uh, the tricks cut up. This one seems like, and I hope I'm wrong. Like they're, they seem too nice about it. They're too buddy buddy. Like, I don't know if they're gonna swing all out. I, I, I don't know what it feels like to go 15 minutes and punch someone with your bare hands. It's yeah. a whole different game. So it's, it doesn't seem like one of those like back to the wall, this is gonna get bloody, dragged out, crazy, no.
2: Like it, it could though, you know what I'm saying? Could, well, it could, it could, it could be a knockdown drag out fight. It's just, it's weird. Anyway.
1: Yeah. So we shall see how that one plays out. Um, someone who is a contender in the UFC talking about how Patriots that was, but we just saw Misha Tate come back and win by stoppage in her return fight. I man, five years away. Yeah to come back and win stops um, stops it in what, third round? Yep. She looked good. She looked like Misha Tate used to look. I I was scared that the game might have passed her by, but the game, after the initial influx of people who are actually mixed martial artists, right? Like, it went from Ronda Rousey and everyone being specialists in the women's divisions to everyone's a mixed martial artist. You, you see like everyone has multiple tools. It's it's crazy. Joanna's here. Um, you had the lioness come in. You Even though Nunez wasn't who she was now back then but you you saw the transformation. Everyone can do everything. And I was like, damn, I don't know. If, you know, Rock, Misha Tay is in that Ronda Rousey category. Like did the game pass her up? But no, she looked very comfortable in all phases of the game. And it looks like I don't know any inside information. I ain't talked to Big Mac about it or nothing, but it looks like she's kept active over these five years. I wouldn't be surprised if she trained throughout and learned some new stuff. I I think she looks good and refreshed. And I like that there's another name in that division to come through because, God, do we need more contenders?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Misha Tate has always been, you know, one of the better fighters. And it felt like her heart wasn't necessarily in it. Yes. She got doused in flames by Amanda Nunez. Well, should also to Raquel Pennington. It just felt like ah, it doesn't feel like she wants to be here anymore. Um, but now she's back. And will she contend for a title? Maybe. The women's bantamweight division is not exceptionally deep, right? And Amanda Nunez is always looking for opponents. Look, she's fighting Juliana Pena. She's going to beat the shit out of her. So it's like, hey, Misha Tate could come around. Obviously, a fight that didn't happen or that should happen is Misha Tate and Holly Holm. That probably should happen next. Makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I thought Holly Holm was dominating that fight till so Misha jumped on her like a spider monkey in the last round and choked her ass out Yep, to become champion. So, yeah, run it back. But with that, then I get scared that Holly Holm wins again. And then now Misha can't get a title. So, like, I, I kind of want the redemption story. I'd give Misha Tate a better chance of beating Julian and Pena than. Holly Holm.
2: True, but here's where so we're at. Styles make fights. I, I Again, would give
1: her a softer touch than Holly Holm.
2: It's, it's like Valentina Shevchenko, right? It doesn't matter who the number one contender is. They're going to get killed. It doesn't matter who the number one contender is, the women's band and weight division, because Amanda Nunez is going to eat them alive. So,
1: Oh, know. yeah, for quite some time. She ain't getting challenged for a second. Um, other than that, in the car, uh, Islam Makachev, headlining this card I just call him Lil (laughs) Bib. that's sorry if you want it like that's it he's Lil Bib to me Lil Habib in the in the octagon he does a lot of the same things I like his stand-up I think it's more fluid at this stage of his career than Habib's was and then when it's time to get busy he knows he can take the guys to the ground he knows he can dominate there I love that he was very open and honest like yeah, my corner was telling me to wrestle him and take him down, but I, I want to stand and trade. I want to get better at this. This is a different level of a game for him. This – I don't think he was ever in danger. He never felt in danger. This was like, yo, I just need to get more rounds in. This was sparring for him.
2: Yeah. Um Maxhev, I mean, he's, you know, trained by Khabib, obviously. Khabib could be coach of the year at the end of the year if he has all these guys undefeated. Um but Makhchev looks very dangerous. He looks like he's a problem for everybody in the lightweight division. Uh, a lot of people are calling for a fight with Tony Ferguson. Like, y'all just saw what Charles Oliveira did to Tony Ferguson. Makhchev is going to do the same fucking thing. Uh to do this to Tony. The fight that I do, that I am interested in, though, is Makhchev and Bilal Muhammad. I think mm-hmm. that's a good fight for the division. And, you know, lightweight is crowded up top. You know, you got a lot of guys that, like I said, Justin Gaethje still doesn't have a fight. So yeah. if you do Bilal Muhammad and Machev, um yeah, just just fucking do it. <laughs> like, I, don't I, I know like D, I like DC's um, idea of Darius. Oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Not Bilal. Oh Muhammad. yeah, because yeah, M- Bilal is up. Yeah, yeah. He's division. a wealth welterweight. That's yeah, what I meant. Um, it's Benil Darius. That's yeah. the fight to make. Machvev and Darius.
1: So Machev, Darius no Beeb. I, I think that's a good fight for him. I think that's a guy who will push his striking a little more. And Darius knows what the hell to do on the ground. You know, yeah. so it's you got to be a little bit more concise. It's not just going to be light work, easy work when you're on the ground. Or you're just going to pummel someone for five rounds. Like, a can you get a submission against a guy like Darius? There's a lot of, a lot of puzzles to be solved there. Um, I like that. I like that matchup a lot. So I think he showed a lot, though. That was a good win from him. We keep moving on. Coach Abib is undefeated in the UFC, by the way. Yes, sir. Much much like his fighting career. The guy can't take a loss to save his life. So that's really cool to see. Now we have another card going down to the UFC apex this weekend, and uh, we see the return of Macy Barber. Is this Aaron Pico status where she just working out the kinks to explode and be who we thought she was? Or is this a sign of greater trouble?
2: Um. well, I mean, Macy Barber Torres. Yeah, Macy Barber is I mean, Aaron Pico uh, is just he was <laughs> he was strangely enough too gifted in too many different areas that he didn't know what to focus on. So he just tried to do them all. And that got him fucked up. Uh, <laughs> Macy Barber, I think she's still very young. So. I think she I think she'll be OK. I don't know how good I don't know where her ceiling is. And I don't think we I don't think any of us know she has a lot of potential. We don't know what her ceiling is. And we may start learning, you know, this week, as long as she stays healthy and she fights regularly, then we can kind of see her because Macy's what? How old is she? 23. Yeah, she's, she's yeah, there's there's time with her. it's um, another
1: like Miranda Maverick is just as young, 24. Really good fights lately. She's on a winning streak, so it's it's interesting. They didn't give her a soft toss. No, not at all. Not at all. So she has to go in there and earn that one. Um, Darren Elkins is still fighting. Yeah, the damage. Hey, man, he's fun to watch. It's the worst tattoo in the UFC. It so is terrible. <laughs> the damage is on this card. So yeah, I predict blood in that fight. Um, Aspen Ladd yeah. versus Macy on That's one hell of a fight. Aspen Ladd's another one who's super young. 26 yep. years yeah. old. Bantamweight division. Um you know, got beat by Durandame. But outside of that, she's looked great in every other fight. Beat Kuniskaya at the time. That looked like a good win. Sadara Eubanks. She's two or three fights away. But again, talking about people, we need fresh blood in the bantamweight division. Aspen Ladd is one of those people who can deliver that.
2: Yeah, and it's a tough fight. Macy Chayerson is a really good fighter. She's, you know, she only has one loss in her career both very young in their respective careers. It's a, it's a good fight. Kyler Phillips is also, also on this card. And Kyler's another guy who's kind of climbing up the, the ranks. So, you know, he's fighting uh, Paiva in, I think, the, not the event, events, the fight before that. Yeah, it's the, the third guy. fight.
1: Uh, third fight at night.
2: Yeah, and I'm very interested because Kyler Phillips is pretty damn good and a lot of people don't necessarily know about him. Yeah, so 26 years old. I mean,
1: Kyler's young, Paiva's young. There's some good matchmaking going on right now in the UFC. I was really impressed by Phillips against Song Song your Dong, who's my boy. <laughs> Song your dong. Yeah, he beat Song Ya Dong last time out. So I am definitely interested to see his growth. It's cool. These are the fights he needs to really build that up. Bantamweight on the men's side too is a place that's wide open. Yeah definitely. Division that is wide open. So Kyler can really grow into that role. talk about bantamweight weight we have the return of TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen in the main event. I don't know how much of Dillashaw was PEDs. Because to I me, mean, he wasn't a world beater before and then switched his footwork up a little bit, went in there against Henry Burrell, and I was like, who the hell is this guy? And he was a completely different guy after that. And I don't know, I can't pinpoint when he started cheating. Like, where, where was the switch? Well, no, know, no, no, no. Garbrandt
2: rocked no. him a couple times, but... That's where's... not it. He 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 was cheating to make flyweight to fight Cejudo. He needed help. He couldn't cut the weight. That's what mm. it was. Like, they, they would have popped him way earlier. I've early heard early. differently. Uh, they, I mean, there were suggestions, but all we can go off of is that he was using basically a diuretic to to shed the weight. Now, if you want to suggest that he was doing it for Cody Garbrandt, okay, whatever. But until he got caught, can't prove it.
1: I've seen interviews two and a half years before where Cody Garbrandt names the exact substance that T.J. Dillashaw then pops for two and a half years later. I just, he popped two and a half years later. I mean, that's, that's one hell of a coincidence when you name the exact, very specific cheating substance that he has in his system, which, yes, could be used as a diuretic, but also can be used when you are cycling down.
2: Which, whatever it is, I don't know when it was. All I know is when he got caught. My yep. bigger issue with all of this is they're, they've are they been treating this like this is T.J. Dillashaw's redemption story. And it's so weird to me. I'm like, yo, he got popped, suspended. He's coming back against Corey Sanhagen, who's looked like a monster lately. Now, T.J. Dillashaw, I know you said, you know, he didn't look like a world beater, but he kind of did. Right. Like he beat Cody Garbrandt. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I was
1: talking about the Hennemar route, like before then,
2: you know, like that's when the the flip like the switch flipped. And I was like, oh, this guy's an animal. Well, because, you know, Dillashaw, he lost to John Dodson in the Smith fighter finale. I remember that. But Dillashaw always looked like a guy who was next. Uriah Faber couldn't stop talking about Dillashaw to me back in the day. So it was Dillashaw always had the tools and his striking got together. He's a really good fighter. This, with if, as long if you take out the element of that motherfucker's a cheater, this is a fucking great fight. Is saying like these two, they, they couldn't be necessarily more different uh, in their styles, but I think it's going to mesh well. I think we're going to have a hell of a fight. That being said, I'm picking Sanhagen because Sanhagen, yes, he got wrapped up by Aljo. But since then, it's his only loss in the UFC. Yeah, since he's been mowing people down. I don't know if he stops TJ Dillashaw. I think this is going to be a hell of a fight. It could go either way, but I think Sanhaga's momentum versus Dillashaw's time away from the cage could be the perfect disaster for Dillashaw to lose this fight. And I think if he loses this fight, he'll win his next fight. And he'll be fine. But this is, a, this is a big order to come in and fight somebody like Sanhaga who's on the cusp of a title shot.
1: Yeah. I'd... If it's just a diuretic, maybe it doesn't mess with your mind. If it's not, if it's poor performance enhancing... I have to then wonder, can you do it mentally? Can you be the same? There's a question marks in your head when you come back. There's all these little things when you know, like, oh, I really can't cheat anymore. There's there's a microscope on me. <sighs> Give me San Hagen, too, by stopping TJ Dillashaw. I I don't know what Dillashaw is. He he has to prove. If he comes out and looks like a million bucks, then, oh, well, great. He probably gets a title shot. But I I don't know. I don't know what what Dillashaw is. And San Hagen's been in there recently, like you mentioned, against a really, really murderous role type of guy. Like, just talent wise, Frankie Edgar, Marlon Moraes, lost to Aljamain Sterling. But look, I mean, it was in the first round, but got wrapped up. The one thing you can't do against Sterling before then, beating Asensau, beating um, Lineker. Like, the guys had good names in the UFC. He's up here for a reason. So I, I don't think he's ready to to step off of that throne. I don't think TJ Dillashaw is going to come back in and just be, you know, TJ Dillashaw from 2018. Cody Garbrandt's not Cody Garbrandt from 2018. A lot of things no. change in two and a half years.
2: Very true. Very true. That being so, said, everything you said, I'm with you. I'm picking San Egan. I don't know if he's going to stop him. I'm not going to make that pick unless you force me to. Uh, But, yeah. But I, I would absolutely not be surprised if T.J. Dillashaw won this fight because he's still T.J. Dillashaw. And who knows what he looks like if he's like an author. Who cares?
1: He might come back and be a monster. So we'll see what happens on Saturday night. That is it for us today. We appreciate you guys. It was great to talk hip-hop. First time in a long time where we got to dive into something that wasn't a versus in terms of music. So that was really cool. <sighs> boxing a lot of moving pieces man it's it's exciting this is like the last week i could take that deep breath and be like ah i get to relax because once we hit august it's, it's on and popping all the way through like november so we appreciate you guys we appreciate you listening every week make sure you follow us on social media at corner podcast underscore on twitter at corner club for life on instagram follow me at Dansby, him and andreas hell on all platforms shout out to blue wire the network shout out to all of the sponsors We'll be back this weekend talking pro wrestling and there's tons to talk about in pro wrestling, talk about boxing rumors and reports. Ain't got nothing on what happened to pro wrestling this week. So make sure you guys tune into that show on Sunday, but for now we're out. Peace.